So good to be back in the house of God. Amen. What a, what a God we serve. Amen. Amen. I, I would wait a few more minutes, but Brother Parrish really likes to be on time and out of honor to, to our leader. We're going to go ahead and get going. Um, this, is, uh, th- this time is, is an opportunity for several different ministries in our district to give, um, uh, to give the vision, kind of where we've been and where we're going uh, of, e- of each ministry. And I'm very excited. I think that, uh, well, I'm just very excited. I, I'm, I'm so hopeful of what God has for the future of our district and that what God has for the future of each and every individual and every church in this district, not just the, how we reach our, our Alaska Yukon, but how we reach around the world. Amen? Amen. It's so good to have Brother Dreary here. Brother Dreary, he's going to come and speak to us. Thank you very much. Uh, they're going to be handing out some brochures uh, to you at this time. It's going to be sort of an all-encompassing uh, brochure concerning the stewardship department. I'd like to say uh, before I get started that I certainly enjoyed Brother Sistrunk uh, earlier today. Um, that's only the second time I've heard him, but I've heard a lot about him. And I just love his down-to-earth practical teaching uh, that we must go where God calls us, and he does provide answers for us that we wouldn't have any other way. I shared with him that the first church that I pastored uh, was in Oklahoma, and it was a town of 100 people. There were no stop signs. Uh, there was a church of another faith um, denomination that had 50 people, and there were 100 people in town. Our first Sunday, we had 28. It only left 22 souls in the city that uh, wasn't going to the church. Uh, they didn't all have the truth, but only 22 people left. So that. If you allowed your vision and your thinking to be in numbers, you're already crushed. But you know what? I think this is supposed to be the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church, right? And um, we started, I didn't know how to preach, I didn't know how to teach, I didn't know how to pastor. We've been to Bible college, Stuart, but some reason or other we didn't catch all those things. Um, but I, I knew God had called me there. And, well, there were a few days I questioned it, but uh, uh, I just started doing what I could do with my different talents and my particular personality. And when we left there two years later, we were running 150 people every Sunday. So that, number one, was a testimony. It's not about the numbers. It's about the souls that you don't always see. And they came out. It was a little country town. And they came from the highways and the byways and... It happened. Matter of fact, it was the district board had a meeting, Brother Parrish, and they sent the district secretary to find out what I was doing wrong. They could not believe that I hadn't let up on my standards and everything. I had to be doing something wrong to grow that much. But uh, you don't have to be doing anything wrong. You just preach the gospel and you love people and you love people and you love people. And what is old saying? They don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And when you love people, they're going to follow you because you are the example of Jesus. So uh, one of the last things I ever wanted to do after I'd been in Mississippi as president of the Children's Mansion for 26 years was to move back north. And I said I'd never wanted to work at headquarters. 
I have discovered you don't tell the Lord what you don't never want to do. Um, and so when Brother Haney called me, um, we were pastoring a, a good-sized church, 350 people in North Little Rock by then, and enjoyed it. And uh, we took a major pay cut to do what we're doing, but we fell right into God's perfect will. And uh, we started the stewardship group, and today we have several segments of it, and you will find these in this brochure as a, I don't think the ones on the front row maybe all got one. Uh, But uh, we, let me go over this real quickly with you and share with you the different components that we have. The United Pentecostal Church Stewardship Group is to provide resources for the future. And uh, the first component we put together was the United Pentecostal Foundation. And the United Pentecostal Foundation is a place where you can maximize some of the things that God has blessed you with and to be able to make gifts forever for the kingdom. We now have uh, some 80, 85 uh, scholarship funds and endowments. They are for local churches. They are for the Bible colleges. Some of them are for districts. And we provide the marketing materials for you to, to market that within your district or your church to encourage people to leave forever gifts that will bless the church beyond your years or the district beyond your years or this ministry, whatever it is, beyond your years. And so to do this, uh, we have set up all of the legal ramifications and we, we take care of all the accounting, all the reportings that have to take place. Um, and I will give you an example of another component that we have is we do charitable trusts. The first time I talked about doing this, uh, it was the last live message that Brother Urshan preached for Harvest Time message in Collinsville, Oklahoma. And I was nervous as can be, never taught on this before, believed in the principles. And Brother Urshan uh, had already uh, kind of lost some of his abilities and he had forgotten his Bible that day. Um, he uh, sent Brother Smelser to Walmart to buy a, a little cheap Bible he could preach from. He couldn't get the pages apart while he was doing it. Um, And when he finished, he said, that's all I've got to say, folks, and quit. It was so uncharacteristic of N.A. Urshan. And they never used that particular broadcast. But he heard something that I taught that day that he went back home and he put into practice. And here's what he did. He understood the principle of Matthew 25 where the owner trusted his servants with his stuff. And when he came back, he asked them, what did you do with what I trusted you with while I was gone? The first answer, he took five talents and he multiplied it to what? Ten. The second one multiplied his talents from two to four different talents, different responsibilities, and then the one that he gave just one talent to, he didn't do anything with it. The first two, what did he do? He said, you have done well, and congratulated him, right? Now, how many, how, do you know how much stuff you own? Anybody here know how much you own? Say it out loud. We own nothing. Has anybody seen the U-Haul trailer follow the hearse to the cemetery yet? 
We own absolutely nothing. But the owner, God, has simply trusted us to manage some of his resources. And when he comes back from that trip that he's made far away, you know what he's going to ask you? What have you done with what I trusted you with while here on earth? Anybody want the hug from the Heavenly Father that he says, well done? Anybody want that? So the question is, how have you managed your assets that God has trusted you with? Well, we give offerings. We make sure we take care of our families. I'm supposing you do that. You pay your tithes on your increase. But then have you really put together a plan to take care of your spouse when you're gone, to take care of your family when you're gone, and to leave a gift for the kingdom? So, Brother Urshan heard what I said. He went back to an attorney, and he created two living trusts. And in one living trust, or I'm sorry, he did one living trust for him and one for Sister Urshan, and they mirrored each other. And in that trust, he said, I want to create a charitable remainder trust with the house that I have, and I want to create another charitable remainder trust with the retirement funds I have. I want to give it to my kids, but I want to do something more than that. The first trust, charitable remainder trust that he created with the house, he called it the Nathan A. and Gene L. Urshan Charitable Remainder Trust. The other with his retirement funds, he did the Urshan Family Charitable Remainder Trust. The kids get a payout based on the values of those the day Sister Urshan died because she was the last to die. And the kids get a payout for enough years that it equals 105% of what Brother and Sister Urshan left behind. But then the trust collapses, each of those, and it creates an endowment in the United Pentecostal Foundation. And we've been able to manage that in such a way that the money, pool of money, is worth more than it was when they passed away and we've been paying their kids. And they predetermined, Brother and Sister Urshan did, how much of that payout each year from those charitable or from those endowments are going to give to ministries that they loved while they were still here on earth it kind of sounds like the matthew 25 principle they have given to their kids and then they've created the stream of income that's going to bless the kingdom until the lord returns so we're involved in all kinds of things like that we have a a pastor in a certain state right now that bought a um bought a, a condo uh down south it went from 120000 to worth almost a million dollars, believe it or not. It's back down a little bit from that. And I'm working with him to create a, a way to put that in a charitable remainder trust. The trust sells it. His kids get a stream of income. He and his wife get a stream of income for a specific number of years. And then it's going to collapse after those years and create a permanent endowment for a kingdom gift. On the way here on a plane, I did this for a couple who own rental properties. They heard about this plan, and they're planning on putting those rental properties in a charitable remainder trust. We sell them. He gets, and his wife get a stream of income, buy an insurance policy for his uh, child uh, who's, who's already 40, and the child gets the money tax-free. He avoids the capital gains. He also gets a tax write-off, and it's a bigger piece of money, and then it's going to create a permanent gift for the kingdom of God. So that's what the United Pentecostal Foundation does. We have charitable gift annuities. We have donor-advised funds. And I'm going to be here for the rest of the day and all day tomorrow and tomorrow night 
anybody who has any questions about that, I want to help you with it. One of the ways we do that is like I'm going to be doing at Brother Bradbury's on Sunday night. I do life, gift, and estate planning seminars. How do you plan your life to stay out of debt, to be able to make the maximum amount of money? How do you create an endowment for your family should you die young so that they're taken care of? How do you create an endowment to take care of you and your spouse if you become too old to work? Called retirement. And it is to fulfill the scripture, 1 Timothy 5 and 8. He who cares not for his own, especially those of his own household, has, not maybe, if you haven't done that to care for your family, you have denied the faith. And you are worse than an infidel, which is the word for unbeliever. So, I hear you saw a, a video presentation from Brother Bernard about MRF. Ministers, pastors, many of us have said, I can't afford to put any more away. Well, why don't you believe for at least one more family next year to start paying tithes and you carve that out and you put it away in your minister's retirement fund? Can you not believe that? I believe you can. So, you need to fulfill that by... Uh, taking care of your family in whatever method and way. And so I do this through seminars, and I'll be doing one there. The next ish situation is right in the middle. It's called United Insurance Solutions. Um, when I came to headquarters, uh, we, uh, two of us got our license. I don't even like dealing with insurance that much, but I got my license for this purpose. And uh, the lady who was managing all of the day-to-day uh, responsibilities for all of the minister's license uh, insurance and for all the health insurance for the headquarters uh, employees and our missionaries. Uh, she and I went and got our license. We got rid of the agent and the broker, and we, kept, we keep a quarter of a million that was going outside the door. It stays in the organization now. But we are now uh, advancing that. We're offering Medicare supplement life uh, insurance for those who are on Medicare. Uh, we're also opening up a brand new website in the next month that's going to offer all kinds of other insurances as well for all of the individuals of the United Pentecostal Church. But for ministers, we want to tell you that we have an accidental death and personal loss. It, if you buy that, it's just a very few cents a month, and it really covers a lot of things, and it has made a difference in many of our uh, spouses of ministers uh, if they passed away accidentally. So you can see some of the benefits that we provide under United Insurance Solutions. The last component is that we started the United Pentecostal Church Loan Fund five years ago. Uh, we have the option of uh, mentioning this to all of our members of the United Pentecostal Church that we have opportunity for you to invest in the United Pentecostal Church Loan Fund. Uh, where's Brother David Reynolds? Would you mind standing real quick and tell, tell these folks what you told me at lunch? Thank you. I'll pay you later. Um, <laughs> the truth is that we're the, one of the only things that is consistent right now, and it makes a difference for our local churches. For pastors, if you're needing a loan, we would love to talk with you about loaning uh, making uh, your loan for your local assembly through the United Pentecostal Church Loan Fund. If you have money to invest either in certificates 
or in your IRAs, we can handle that as well. Um, many folks are moving theirs over because they don't like the up and down the market as they get older. Um, but we are offering right now 2.5% for a one-year certificate, 3% uh, for a three-year uh, certificate, and 3.5% for a five-year certificate. After the ordination service uh, this evening and right before the evening service, we will show you a short video presentation of a, another certificate that we are offering for a short period of time, and that is for an investment in the loan fund, and it's going to go towards buying the new headquarters for the United Pentecostal Church International. You can give an offering towards it, or you can invest in it and get your money back as well as make earnings on it. Uh, and the way we're going to pay back the loan fund is just moving from the present building to the new building, we're going to save $25,000 a month in utilities alone. And it will end up paying for uh, repaying all the investors as well as paying off the new building. So it's a really an exciting thing. For those who invest $25,000 or more in that one, we're going to give you 3.75 uh, for five years. If we give a, an uptick in our new investors during that five-year period, you also get the uptick from that point on for the rest of your certificate. You're invited to the dedication of the new building, and you're invited to a conference call with Brother Bernard once a year about growth that's happening in the United Pentecostal Church. You'll enjoy this video presentation tonight because it talks about where we're going to be in the next 25 years with present growth. You'll be surprised when you hear what's actually happening and what is going to happen with the projections as we go on. So I'll be here uh, the rest of uh, today and tomorrow, and if you have any questions, please come and see me. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Brother Drury. Sister Churchill, we are going to... Do we love Sister Churchill? Everything that she has done for so many years. I am here to represent the Ladies' Ministries. Ladies' Ministries is really more of a helping ministry. Nationwide, we help orphans, we help troubled teens, we help missionaries, both home and foreign. We, hope, uh, we help with the My Hope Radio, with the World Network of Prayer, with Bible school teachers, and with foreign national Bible school students. And we also, here in Alaska, assist with the needs that we find in our own district. And over the years, we have assisted in things that needed to be done here. Um, our cafeteria, I think, is quite lovely. I've been not in a lot of other camps, but a few. And some of them do not have as nice of facilities as we do. And though we didn't build that building, ladies, we furnished it. And we finished it. And we can decorate it. So the Ladies' Ministries is an aid to those who need help in all sorts of ways. And this is all made possible through our Mother's Memorial Offering. And the Mother's Memorial Offering, it's very interesting because when I go to General Conference every year, the first day that I am there, Brother Drury and all the other heads of particular departments march in 
and appeal to the ladies' ministries. Could you give us $300,000 to home missions? Could you give, and, you know, we, then we meet together and uh, have this little committee, and we decide how much we can give. So we give to home missions. Home missions doesn't give to us. We give to them. Then the foreign missions department comes marching in. Same scenario. Can you give us, we're asking for this amount of money this year. And so ladies' ministries meets and we see, can we give them this? And we do. And I'm not talking about $10. I'm talking, and when I said 300000 I wasn't m making up some figure in my head, was I, Brother Drury? No. 300000 or better to home missions and foreign missions. And... And then the Tupelo Children's Mansion comes in, and the boys' home, and the girls' home, and the orphanage in Tupelo, and the World Network of Prayer, and My Hope Radio, and on and on and on, all day long. Of course, they're so nice, they bring us little gifts. But <laughs> that's nice that they do that in exchange for all these thousands of dollars. But this all is from your mother's memorial money. Now here you notice in Alaska, the half of the money that we keep, um, we don't do that. We don't give it to other departments, but what we do is we give it to things that are needed in the district. We give to put a new roof on a church. We give to clean up after a flood. We give to buy a new furnace for a church. We give to help paint a church. We give sidewalks to the campground. We give to keep our kitchen at the, you know, a state-of-the-art kitchen and a nice cafeteria and good food. And we give things that are needed. In fact, right now, I will tell you, the board hasn't heard me say this yet, but you're about to. I have asked Brother Ken Denny to give me um, a an estimate, a price on how much it will cost to install something that will be a handicap access for our dormitories because we need that. So, ladies' ministries, I keep my eyes open, and, and you do too. A lot of the ladies will say, have you thought of this that we might need here? And so we try to make our campground a much better place as well as our whole district. So casting a vision... On the, on the help is very, very important. And then we also cast a vision for the future. And the future is not me because my life biblically should be over. My allotted time on earth is past. So obviously I am not the future. But in our youth camp and out in our Sunday school today, there's our future. There's what we need to cast a vision toward the future. That's what a parent does, a grandparent does. That's what a, a pastor does. You're always casting a vision toward the future. And so within our district, we have, yes, indeed, we have spent thousands of dollars. I am aware of that on sending our teenagers into our villages. But those of you who are sitting here today who have had a group come to your church, there are those of you who have had that happen. And those of you who, they're not really sitting here now, right? The teenagers for the most part, but the teens who have gone to the villages. Last year, we had 
uh, almost 100 that were out on doing mission work in our district. And that is a casting of vision for the future. And the, uh, I, I will tell you one little thing. One little thing was that Brother Mendenhall just told me this here about three or four weeks ago. But they had a family come to their church just here about a month ago. I, is somebody here from the Mendenhall's church? I can't remember. Just When did that family come that the kids knocked on their door last summer? They never came when the kids knocked on their door, but they just came. Was it about a month ago, Aaron? Do you remember? Well, Brother Mendenhall was telling me, they came, and they said, some kids knocked on our door last summer. And you see, it didn't happen all at once, but it happened. But I feel that our children, our teens, our kids, I call them children because I'm so old, but they're teenagers. But I feel like they are partially, along with the pastor, responsible for the growth in Carmax. I feel like they're partially responsible for the church in Ketchikan. I feel like they're partially responsible for the church in Sitka. I feel like they're partially responsible for the church in Kayana because they've been there. They've knocked on doors. They've done whatever they have been asked to do. It doesn't matter what it has been that they've been asked to do. They have done it. So when this little thing said, casting our vision, that should be our vision. The future is our teenagers. And then we have the future in our children. But then there's more than just casting a vision for them to, because we want them to, um, we want them to feel a call within themselves. Not, we're not trying to make little missionaries or little pastors or preachers' wives. Or, we're trying to make good Christians and do what every one of us should do as a child of God. And that is to love souls and to want to see the kingdom of God prosper and flourish. And that's what we're trying to do. Give them a reason to find out what, give them something that they know I can do in the kingdom of God. I might not be able to do a whole lot, but I might be able to blow up a balloon. I might be able to help cook a meal. I might be able to pat someone on the back. But I have a reason to do something. I have a reason. So that is casting our vision. We also, I, uh, Sister Shannon Seagraves, I don't know if she's here today. Are you here, Shannon? No, she's home resting today. I forgot. She's having a second baby. Um, and Sister Rebecca Pelletier. Are you here, Rebecca? Maybe not either. Rebecca and Shannon head up for our district a program called Today's Christian Girl. And they are so fabulous with what they're doing. They're so willing to come to any of your churches and help you set up a program for your girls. What are they doing? They're casting a vision to our young girls ages Oh, just little tiny ones. We let them come in when they're just an, old enough to be without mama and come to our meetings. And we're teaching them how to be a Christian girl. You see, society, society is important. 
We all need to, we're social creatures, and we need to live in a society, and we need to fit into a society, but we don't let society dictate to us what we do with our souls. And culture. Here in Alaska, culture is very, very important. We have so many different ethnic groups in Alaska, and your culture is important. It's wonderful to, to keep serving the same kind of foods and observing some different holidays, perhaps, or, or different things in your culture. But culture does not supersede the word of God. Never. And so we are teaching these young girls that what is going to shape your life is the word of God. God shapes your life. And that is another casting a vision for our future. We want our young women to grow up knowing this is who I am. And I am pleasing God. I am doing it his way, the Bible way. And I will not be ashamed of what I do. You know, when I go to Bethel, I eat that seal. I don't like that seal, but I eat that seal. <laughs> and I'm not a great muktuk person, but I'll eat that muktuk. And when you come to my house, you'll eat chicken and dumplings or else. <laughs> you see, we serve it up differently. We serve it up differently. But we want them to know that when I'm a child of God, I am one. This is my culture. This is my society. This is who I am. I am God's girl. So today's Christian girl, we have, we have uh, cast a vision for our young women in our district that they will never, never, never be ashamed. And then what is my vision? Well, now I'll tell you the truth. I was here for youth camp, and it was some of the best preaching I have ever heard. That that uh, evangelist was absolutely fantastic. And I kept thinking to myself, now, wait a minute. This is what I wanted to say on my little afternoon. And then I heard the preaching last night, and I wanted to stand up and scream, stop, because you're saying what I wanted to say. But my vision, so it must be a God thing. My vision is I will still believe the word of God, and I want to instill that into the heart of every person I come in contact with. I still believe. I still believe. I will not back down from the word of God. I still believe the Acts 2.38 experience. I still believe in the virgin birth. I still believe that he's coming again. And my vision for every man and woman in this district is that you will be able to say when you get my age, I still believe. I still believe. I'm going to do something from Psalm 103, and what I would like to do after I read a particular scripture is I'd like for you to give a responsive, I still believe. 
Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all my diseases, I still believe. God is everything to me. I still believe. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, I still believe. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles, I still believe. And down to verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. I still believe he will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. I still believe. Verse 11, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. I still believe. And verse 13, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. I still believe. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. I still believe. I believe every word that is in the word of God, every promise that is written in the word of God. I believe the message, but I believe that every word, when I have to uh, speak, which is quite often these days because we pastor two churches, but when I speak, I always say, there's not one word in this Bible that is just insignificant. Every word is significant, and I still believe. Amen. 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 And now, now we know why Brother Churchill is such a good preacher. He just gets a hold of her notebook and goes to town. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Amen. Brother Glover, please come. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Haven't you enjoyed this? Thank you, Brother Dury and Sister Churchill, and I love that, that uh, vision. Our vision for this uh, youth camp, our theme was, I believe. But boy, there's something special when somebody can say, I still believe. That means they've gone through some stuff, amen. May have been an ICU in there, here and there, amen. I've gotten the, uh, the call on Sister Churchill several times of, I think this is it, amen. But she's come right through it. And there's something about when you can say, I still believe. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Something powerful there. God's brought me through. And I want to thank all of you 
Thank God for this camp and those our elders, Brother Parrish that have, and uh, Bishop Blackshire that have enabled us to be here. I thank all of you for your giving. It is so amazing. We're able to adjust our schedule throughout youth camp if we need to. We can set up service at 2 a.m. if we want to. This campground is, is uh, open to us. We don't have to worry about rental fees. We don't have to worry about time. We don't have to worry about any of that. Amen. We've been given this, and we thank you. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I want to thank Brother Scott. He is aging out, and he'll still be prominent within youth ministries. He has such a heart for mentoring and so forth. But he is uh, going to be moving on, and we want to honor him for his years of service, selflessly speaking, selflessly working, reports, and so forth, driving. He does the drive Wednesday back to church. He does the drive Sunday back to church, comes back to serve. Could you give him a hand, please, in Jesus' name? Thank you, Brother Scott. Thank you, Sister Scott. All their kids coming to these meetings. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Amen. And I, be I believe we must empower our kids. I believe that our best altar workers, our best witnesses are right here as our students. Amen. I believe that our hyphen ages are some of our greatest resources to be using in Bible study, be using at this altar, be able to help people to break through in Jesus' name. I believe our greatest prayer warriors are right here in the student age. Hallelujah. I believe, amen, that when somebody needs the Holy Ghost, all you need is some believing young people to gather around them. And every weapon of the enemy is going to come down in Jesus' name. I believe in our young people making a Holy Ghost hurricane around somebody and them being removed of their bondage and them being freed in Jesus' name. Does anybody else believe in our young people? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And we're so glad that I believe that in an empowering our kids, we need to gather a vision that's larger than us, that spans the globe. And so we've set a vision for 49,000 being brought in for Sheaves for Christ this year. And to that end, we have a young man named Tyler Dart who began to believe and began to uh, raise funds for that. And in only a few weeks, he was over $1,100 for Sheaves for Christ. Can somebody say, I believe? Amen. And you've been seeing this. I'm not trying to make just a fashion statement, not trying to be more eccentric than I probably already am. Hallelujah. But I believe. Praise God. And so those of you that raised $5,000 or more in your church, we will send you a genuine parish knife in Jesus' name. <clears throat> I wish somebody would say, I believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so essential to our district is the call. And we do many different things in order to help people. But I'm so glad that God gave the call to some people one day to head out to Alaska. Amen. 
The next question was, according to Cold Flowing Waters, you can get this book from my father for a low price of $10. My daughter and I have been reading it. Just outstanding. But the next question that Sister French had was, where do we go? And the answer came, Sitka. Now listen to this. This word meant nothing to her. She had heard of Juno and Nome, but she wondered, what is that word? Again, the answer came, Sitka, Sitka. And then she knew it was a city. Isn't that unbelievable? Just a word. Just a word. Now I'm going to find it on the map. That's the call. And, oh, I want to be a part. I can't give somebody the call. Only God can. But I want to be a part of having, helping to equip somebody after they receive that call. Amen. We enjoyed tremendous ministry from Brother, Brother Staten and uh, Brother Mark Brown. And a group of uh, young people went out. And there's a program called C31 where you go and, and try to find sponsors to help you in raising funds for She's for Christ. And they had, had gone out, and I called my wife up. We were at Spinard Builders doing a car wash. I called her up, and I asked her, how are things going? She said, we got $100, and we've just now made it to the Sterling Way Station. Amen. Praise God. Process. Amen. Someone say, I believe. I believe. Hallelujah. There's steps in achieving it. And sometimes it is about knocking on doors and knocking on businesses. But Melina came back and was raving about it. They ended up making about $230 in only a, an hour or so. And she told Brother Staten, she said, man, have you ever heard of C31? It's this cool program of getting sponsors of different amounts from businesses. And they began to laugh. And she wondered, man, maybe they don't like it. Or, but when he was on youth committee, that was his baby. That's what he formed on the youth committee. Amen. Praise God. Somebody say, I believe. I believe. Hallelujah. The call. And then there is a cleaving process that takes place with these individuals that get that call. Would you listen to this? A multitude of aunts, uncles, and cousins gathered at the Fretwell home to see them off. This is the French's. The family felt no joy in this venture, and faces were sober and tearful. Some even considered the call of God harsh. As the four drove away, they looked back for a final view. They saw Mother Fretwell bent double. They looked back and uh, weeping bitterly. We will never see them again, she moaned through her tears. In Acts chapter 20, verse 36, Luke says, All wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. After we had torn ourselves away, we sailed out to sea. Oh, the sacrifice that is made by these individuals. Amen. We are products. This district is products of some people that decided to answer a call and be missionaries. Amen. And there's an equipping that takes place. Praise the Lord. And we're so thankful that God gives favor in this. We have held an auction. Somebody say Susie's. Praise the Lord. Amen. You want Holy Ghost to start coming you start talking Susie's. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so uh, we held this auction, and we went to Susie's, and, and some men gave to 
to She's for Christ for this. And I asked Susie's, could you put this meal on the house of these individuals that have given? They've given to this cause. And, and the man said, absolutely. And so we ordered plenty of food. Amen. And, and they were able to, to do that for us. Somebody say, I believe. But I asked the speakers, would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to go out with us for that and, and allow these pe- people to pick your brain a little bit? And Brother Brown said, man, they can pick my brain. They can pick my nose. I'll do anything for she's for Christ. Hallelujah. I'll do anything for she's for Christ. Can somebody say, I believe in the house? Hallelujah. I'll do anything. Amen. And there's that call, and there's that cleaving that the missionaries have to do. But then there has to be that equipping, and that's the part that we can do. Brother French couldn't find the ferry to take him out, so he had to go and see a canning company to see if they could bring him. And the man, the superintendent, asked, what financial resources do you have to provide your family in Alaska? And he said, I don't have much of anything. And the man said, don't even think of going to Alaska with those two little girls unless you have at least $500 cash. And as they walked up the Tongass gangplank, they were far short of the superintendent's 500 Brother French had the family finances safely, everybody say safely, inside a pocket. But the $14 was all he had in the move. Somebody say equip. He has it safely. Our missionaries are going to keep that money safely. But, oh, I don't want to be safe with my giving. Amen. I want to give all I can. I don't want to try and protect what I have. Brother Dury, I really don't own anything. i got to give my resources so that we can have some Frenches sent out to individuals. We can have some Frenches sent out to these different places in Jesus' name. In just a little while after arriving in Sitka, Brother French obtained a job at the new dairy paying $1.50 an hour. His only transportation was to walk the six miles each way to and from work. I'm no mathematician, but I believe that if he'd have had a vehicle, he could have done some better things than 12 miles of walking that he was doing a day. Amen. How many of you appreciate the Frenches? How many appreciate the, the burden that they had? How many appreciate what they were able to bring to us? Amen. We need to birth other Frenches among our movement. There's other people that are dying and lost that need a Frenches to come to their country. They need a Frenches to come to their community. They need the Frenches to come to where they're at and to minister and bless them. The severely limited his time for church work, but support of his family was also essential. Sister French, who did not work at first, took to the streets in search of hungry souls. I can equip and I can give them a car. Hallelujah. And also, She's for Christ gives locally to churches like Delta Junction who needed help on a building project. And there was She's for Christ to help in that as well. And I'm so thankful that we all gel together. We all work together. This isn't one department competing with another department. I need ladies' ministry. Amen. They give us the mission trips. She wasn't lying when she said, we need that mission trip. As I say every year, when they come, you're bringing camp meeting to our community. Jesus' name. 
I need North American missions. I'm out two Sundays this week, but praise God, we have two Bible college students that are ministering to our church. They had service last night. They had service on Sunday. They're praying for people. They're blessing people. They're preaching. Hallelujah. And that hasn't been able to be done since we've been making these trips. Praise God. And so, 49,000 sounds like so much. 1984, 32 years ago, the highest amount was given to She's for Christ, $33,959.84, 32 years ago, and we haven't broken over 21,000 since. 32 years ago. I talked with Pastor Bradbury, who was the youth president at that time, and I said, man, would you ever think that your, that, that record, that he didn't mean to be a record, but that that mark would stand for 32 years? He said, no, I thought we were just getting started. Reminds me of some individuals that had a choice down 3-1. And I know there's not a lot of fans of them. I'm not either. But you got to think about a discussion that they had to have, an understanding that they had to have. You know what? We can go through the motions, and we can go to their place and lose, and no one would probably think too much about it. Or you know what? We can believe and do something that's never been done before. I wonder if someone else would stand to their feet and say, I believe that we can do something that's never been done before. 32 years ago, are you kidding me? That's embarrassing. Hey, man, let's give like never before. Let's reach like never before. Over $2,000 brought in at youth camp. Can somebody say, I believe? I said $2,000 brought in at youth camp alone. Can somebody say, I believe? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody else needs a French's. A soft rain fell as they left the ship and walked up the dock. Tears mingled with the rain on Sister French's face as she looked up at the hills and prayed, Lord, we take Sitka for Jesus. Ha! Hallelujah. And if you've got the French's, then you've got Betty Smith. And if you have Betty Smith, then you've got J.R. Blackshear. And if you have J.R. Blackshear, you've got Lauren Bradbury. And if you've got Brother French, you've got Mitch Glover. Can somebody say, I'm willing to equip. I'm willing to get a car for another French's somewhere because they're needed so desperately. I'm not here without them. I've got to send another French family somewhere in this world to a village, to a place, to a town. I've got to equip them in Jesus' name. Shout! I believe. Amen. I believe. And that sums it up for global missions. We got to be sending people. Brother Burgess came uh, just a couple years ago, and he made a, he made a comment, and I, I had 
some of our some of our young men that had been around church for a long time. They said, "I've never wanted to give so much to a missionary before." I was just sharing this with Brother Smith, who was just in district, and and he said, "Really? What did Brother Bird just say?" He said, "He just he just laid it out for us. He just behind the pulpit. He said, you need me as much as I need you.'" And the church just kind of looked at him, dumbfounded, and what? We need you. He goes, yes, I need your money to send me, and you need me to go. <laughs> All right. And uh, he, he was given to. Amen. I love missions. All missions. All missions. I honestly believe that there is one mission, and it's the Great Commission. As was already mentioned, the kind of the call sign of, of the United Pentecostal Church is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. I believe that we all have a part that we must play. We must play. When the Frenches came, this was foreign soil. Thanks to global missions, we have a ministry in Alaska I talked to Brother Churchill a few years ago. We were just talking about missions and about giving. And, and I, I'd like to read something that you can find on uh, uh, globalmissions.com on our page. It says, in 1945, two major organizations of ministers and laymen embracing the doctrine and experience of apostolic Pentecost as related in Acts 2 united into a body known as the United Pentecostal Church. The purpose of this church, as stated in the foreword of the United Pentecostal Church International Manual, is, and I quote, to preach the gospel of Christ Jesus, to publish and distribute religious literature, to establish new churches, to send forth missionaries, to perform any other duties connected with religious work, and to help in any way possible to meet the needs of local churches. The same document further declares, to the end we now pledge our prayers, our faith, our life, and love, our earthly means of support and our time in the fear of God and for His glory alone. The purpose of global missions. says the objective of the UPCI in organizing global missions is to proclaim the whole gospel to the whole world by sending forth God-called men and women in obedience to the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16 and 15. It is further the purpose of the United Pentecostal Church to seek out and to carry the gospel to the whole world and to help establish self-supporting, self-governing, and self-propagating national churches. That is the purpose of global missions. That's why we're here. I would like to thank each and every pastor each and every member of each and every church of this district for giving so selflessly. We have, and Brother Reynolds could tell you the same thing every year at conference, and I've only been doing it a few years. Brother Churchill could tell you the same thing. Missionaries come and, and, and talk about how great Alaska is, how kind, how very kind the churches have been to them. Um, have there ever been a missionary that wasn't taken care of? Well, chances are, sure.
But every missionary I talk to says, I got, I got to come once, and I have been asking every since to come back. Everybody wants to come to the Alaska-Yukon district. Why? Because they have heard of the love in this district. They don't just come up. Brother and Sister Smith were just here from Spain. And they, they didn't come up. He said, look, I, I'm not here to just get money. I'm here to help the kingdom in any way I can. We loved having them in our home, loved, loved, loved hearing them preach. The, the stories, those are some of the best things you can imagine is hearing the missionary stories. The, the best services growing up I had ever been in was missionary services. Hands down. We had great service. I remember being at Brother Parrish's as a young boy, and, and we had somebody from the Philippines come in, and, and he was telling stories. He said, things over there are different. He said, you don't point in the Philippines. Said, well, how do you tell? He goes, you use your lips. If somebody says, how do you get to market? You, you okay? Where's the market? Okay, you have a nervous tick, that's fine. Could you point me in the direction of the market? Oh, we learned so much. But the stories and the miracles that God does worldwide, it encourages me. Those things encourage me. When you hear of a family who, 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 who the bandits, the benditos, have, have cut down a log, a, a tree, and put it across the road because they're going to rob and kill a missionary family. And, and the missionary closes his eyes and they all say, in Jesus' name. And those benditos tell the story about, I don't understand how it happened, but they were driving and they just floated over our, our, our piece of wood and kept going. We need, to, we need those stories. That excites me because that's the God that I serve. There are two ways that, that, that we, can, we can still be involved this year. I'm sad to announce we have no more missionaries coming because of the great offerings of the I Am Global initiative that was started two years ago at at camp meeting, we have sent back, I think last year, the last final count I got was 28 or 29 missionaries that didn't even have to finish traveling. Because, and I was talking to Brother Robinette, and, and of course they were, the missionaries were kind of joking about it, but he was in a mission service, and and the spirit of giving came on them, and, and he, had a, he and his wife had a matching anniversary watches that they had waited years and years and years to, to, to purchase, and they had saved for it. And he was in that, he was in that, that, that service, and, and, and if I remember correctly, the first thing was to come off was his tie, and he took off his tie, and he put it in the offering. And he took off his expensive shoes, and he put on the offering, and then he took off that anniversary watch, and he put that in the offering, and and his, he, he said, my, my wife always jokes with me now, and she says, how much money are you carrying? Because it won't be here when you get home. But for a missionary to have the passion to give to other missionaries, it's a passion for souls, and it cannot end in Fairbanks or Delta in, or Alaska or the Yukon. It cannot end here. What we are involved in is all over this globe. That's my brother and my sister. And I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart 
for giving to missions, to giving to global missions. We would not be global missions if there was not North American missions. And I will allow Brother Blackshear to come and talk about North American missions. Brother Blackshear. Thank you, man. Do you want to uh, give this okay. Amen. Tremendous, tremendous. Why don't we stand? <clears throat> Praise God. I've been moved. I've been touched. And I um, appreciate what each and every one has had to say. And I'm glad that it doesn't just take one department to do the work of God. But Brother Sistrunk said something today that really touched me. He said, um, if you really want to get close to God, and I've been to a lot of prayer seminars and been to a lot of conferences and read a lot of books on how to get close to God. He said, if you really want to get close to God, do the work of God. And he said, when you're in the field doing the work of God, he said, you can feel the breath of God on your neck. Wow. Thank you, Sister Churchill, for doing the work of God. Thank you, Brother Glover, for doing the work of God. Thank you, Brother... Bagwell for doing the work of God. Thank you, Brother Drury, for doing the work of God. Thank you, Alaska, Yukon, for doing the work of God. It's all about souls. Last time I checked, there was a little over 700,000 souls in this area. We're not, we're not reaching enough of them. Brother Parrish, thank you for doing the work of God. But we've got, to do, we've got to do better. We've got to do more. Lord, lay. All my heart. And love that soul through me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let it be a prayer. It's not just programs, folks, it's souls. It's not just Mother's Memorial, it's souls. It's not just Christmas for Christ, it's souls. It's not just I Am Global, it's souls. It's not just retirement fund, it's souls. And love that soul through me. And may I ever do my part to win. Come on.
Come on, ask God to give you a burden right now. Ask God to give you a burden right now. Put a soul on my heart, God. Put a soul on my heart, Lord. Put a soul in my heart, God. Jesus, uh, given instructions to his disciples right before he ascended. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. Essentially, he is saying, because of what I did, here's what I need you to do. Repentance. And remission of sin should be preached in his name. Brother Bagwell, among all nations. Someone say all nations. But then he said, I want you to begin home. I want you to begin right here in your backyard. I wonder what would happen if we got a fresh burden for for souls in our backyard. I don't know how many communities, Brother Bradbury, are out in the Bethel region that don't have churches, but I've been convicted this week. You, you can be seated. Brother Sistrunk has been moving in the Holy Ghost. He said that Unless you have a local church, there's no chance of salvation. <laughs> I don't know how many communities in this state don't have churches, but I'm, I'm concerned about it. I don't know how many villages don't have churches, but I'm concerned about it. I know that half the state almost lives in Anchorage and what we're doing there is not enough, Brother Springer. We got to do better, Brother Shrack. We got to do better, Brother Herring's having great revival in Palmer, unprecedented revival. But there's there's a lot of people in that area that need to hear the message of Jesus. So I'm not going to push a program today. I I mean. What you what you what this district gave to Christmas for Christ last year is just it's unbelievable and it's unprecedented. One hundred and sixty six thousand dollars among twenty nine churches. In the entire fellowship, in the top thirteen churches in the entire fellowship. Four of those are represented in Alaska, Yukon. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let me tell you, 
Let me tell you why that's exciting to me, Brother, Brother Churchill. It's not, not I, I mean, it's unprecedented, and that's awesome. But I tell you what's exciting to me is when I read, the Lord says, give and it shall be given. Give and it shall be given. These right here don't represent dollar bills to me, but these represent souls that God's getting ready to bring into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Brother, Brother Wagner, I'm not sure he's in here, but he, Brother Wagner has a gift. And he doesn't, he doesn't do it very often, but two times in my life has it completely affected me. And again, last night he came up to me and he said, I, I'm feeling to tell you that there is getting ready to be a harvest. And I, don't, I didn't claim it as local for Life Church, but I feel like because what this district has given, what this district has sown, that God is getting ready to pour out a harvest in these churches and in these communities. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're going to do everything we can from North American Missions to help every church be ready to receive a harvest. It's not just about planting new churches, but I do believe it's about equipping and helping the churches that we do have. I don't want to just talk about a lot of things that we've already done, but I do want to put something in your spirit today that I want us to be expectant about what God is getting ready to do, about the harvest that he's getting ready to pour out, about the souls that he's getting ready to bring in. <clears throat> because these pastors and these churches have sown sacrificially $166, $1,000, number six in the entire nation from this district. It's not because we're wealthy. It's because this district has a burden to see revival. And this district has a burden to see souls born into the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, harvest is coming. I'm telling you, harvest is coming. Lord, lay a soul upon, upon my heart. I think it's already promised to it. I think God's already promised it. But I wonder what would happen if somebody in this congregation would get a fresh burden for a soul right now. If God would speak to somebody about a neighbor about a co-worker to win that soul. Hallelujah. Lord, lay a soul. Lord, lay a soul. Lord, lay a soul. If you want to be close to God, get in the work of God. If you want to feel the breath of the Holy Ghost, get in the harvest field. Hallelujah. Oh, let it be, Lord. Let it be, God. 
Let it be, Lord. Let it be my part to win that soul. Come on, we were going to give out some awards and we were going to honor some pastors and churches, but I tell you what I feel right now. I feel like God's wanting to lay a burden on somebody. God's wanting to have somebody's hand involved in the harvest. I'm going to open this up for an altar call right now. God, lay a soul on my heart. Lord, let me be a harvest worker. God, let me be somebody working in the harvest field. Come on, revival is not a dream, it's a promise. Harvest is not a dream, it's a promise. Lord, lay it on my heart. God, lay it on my heart. Come on, Alaska, Yukon. Come on, Alaska, Yukon. God, give me a burden. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. God, lay a soul. God, lay a burden. God, lay a burden. God, put a face in my mind. Put a family on my heart. Souls lost and dying and going to hell. God, help us reach them. Help me reach them. Help me reach them. 700,000 people. I got to reach them. I'd speak to our pastors right now. Give them direction. Give them vision. Give them direction right now. Speak to them right now, Holy Ghost. Speak to them right now, Holy Ghost. Command us according to your will. <laughs> 